history. Let's go to Plan B with Rebecca Davis. Uh, Rebecca, good afternoon. Good afternoon, John. I have been engaging with those kind of people all week, sort of, sort of. I joined a number of social media groups on Telegram and WhatsApp in order to kind of try and embed myself in the world of South African anti-vaxxers to see what exactly is going on with this sentiment, which appears to be spreading alarmingly, John. Now, we've all heard of these endless polls revealing that South Africans in, you know, quantities of up to half do not want to get vaccinated. There was one this week in a survey of 3,000 respondents. Only 38% said they would get vaccinated as soon as possible. So this is not a trivial concern, it appears. This is a real thing. And I wanted to know what exactly are the arguments against the vaccine that are circulating. I'm sure some of these you will have seen yourself, John, you possibly debunked them as well, but I feel it cannot hurt to give them a brief airing if you agree. Well, yeah, I feel... I feel conflicted about this because um, we're not going to debunk anything. Uh, People who hold to one of these theories you're about to share with us are not going to be dissuaded away from the theory by the fact that Rebecca Davis and John Matham have discussed it on Cape Talk. Um, But at the same time, why not? Go for it. Okay, so part of it is pure QAnon rhetoric. We've spoken about QAnon before, the bizarre conspiracy theory network. So it's the belief that COVID-19 is a scam, the scamdemic, the pandemic, which is being used to bring about the new world order. And that part of this is that international travel will be restricted to those who get the vaccine. Now, ironically, that is absolutely true, probably. It is entirely likely that many countries are going to restrict access to people who get the vaccine, which only amounts to one massive argument for getting the vaccine. So one of the most popular, Bill Gates wants to depopulate Africa. So there's a video which purports to show Bill Gates briefing the CIA in 2005. It's not Bill Gates. It's a satirical video about how to stop religious fundamentalism. And I say that's one of the ones that blows my mind. Why would Bill Gates want to depopulate Africa? I just cannot put the two and two together. Surely he would want more people in Africa to buy Microsoft products. Anyway... No, but it's because he can, Rebecca. You see, this is the thing about powerful people. They do things for reasons which are not rational to the common herd, but they have an overwhelming, overweening need for power. And so that trumps any kind of rational motive that one might try and ascribe to them. Surely you know that. Uh, Right? He is simply evil. There we go. I forget. There's a video I have seen a lot featuring two men, Sasha Stone and Robert O. Young, again discussing a conspiracy to depopulate Africa at an important founding gathering called the International Tribune for Natural Justice. Robert O. Young is a quack doctor who's had his license removed, spent time in prison. Sasha Stone is a white Zimbabwean who is now posing as some kind of a cult leader in Bali. He started this thing called the International Tribune for Natural Justice. They perpetuate all kinds of nonsense about 5G, COVID. He is a charlatan of the highest order. Then there's the idea that the COVID-19 vaccine is being used to sterilize men without permission. And this, like many hoaxes and conspiracy theories, has a kind of grain of truthishness. In this case, it stems from a memo doing the rounds, which was requesting that participants in vaccine clinical trials remain abstinent for the duration of the study. But of course, it is not the case that the vaccine causes sterilization. Then there's the idea that the vaccines can genetically modify DNA, which is what our Chief Justice appeared to be getting at the other day. This is not true. No vaccine can genetically modify human DNA. But the truthishness in this aspect 
stems from the fact a bit of the vaccine's DNA has to be injected into human tissue to mimic the virus, to cause it effect. That does not turn you into a walking virus or change your DNA in any way. And then there's one which is perhaps the most understandable, I think, which is the pace of the vaccine's development. People are uncomfortable because they say this vaccine has simply been developed too fast, but normally vaccines would take much longer. Well, this is because the combined medical resources of the entire world have been thrown at it in a way we could only wish were the case with HIV, for instance, or even certain types of cancer. But um, Dr. Shabir Mahdi, for instance, obviously involved in clinical testing in South Africa, assures me the testing has been so comprehensive that even uncommon side effects have already been picked up on. So there simply is no reason to worry in that regard. But what I've seen, John, amounts to a lot of fear, a lot of you know, anxiety. And my question is, what what is actually being done to address the, these these issues? I asked the Department of Health, what form exactly will their vaccine education campaign take? When will it begin? I was told, oh, there's no beginning and no end. It is simply a continuum. And the actual terms are so, so vague. It is things like we are going to take community leaders, empower them with information, then they will empower others. John, I don't know about you, but that to me does not sound convincing at all. And yet, amidst all the murkiness, there's been one most unexpected ray of sunshine. And that Julius Malema. Julius Malema. I want to kiss him on his mouth. Sitting there today, I wouldn't because of COVID and because I'm married and he's married. But sitting there today saying, stop this nonsense. There is no plan to depopulate it's Africa. If whites wanted us killed, we would be dead already. Take the vaccine. Please, we cannot win this war without science. Honestly, John, thank goodness for Malema, especially in a situation where so many South African politicians have been spewing absolute nonsense. I don't know whether I want to be in front of the queue or behind you in the queue to kiss Julius <laughs> on the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> But I do want to be in that queue, metaphorically speaking, of course. Metaphorically. And then a really interesting story that you discovered in the Washington Post. A real, I mean, this is just a kind of mind-blasting one, which is that a medical professor at the University of Minnesota called Rachel Hardiman went through the records of births in Florida between 1992 and 2015 and found that the mortality rate of black babies in that American state was halved when they were cared for after their birth by black doctors. I mean, that's really astonishing, John. It got me thinking about what the repercussions of that could be for South Africa. I should say, they state very clearly, the researchers, they're calling it an association. It's not causal. There's not, they're not saying there's a definite cause and effect and that more studies are necessary. But nonetheless, that statistic was there. When black babies were cared for after birth by black pediatricians, they were half as likely to die. And the effects were felt more strongly in more complicated cases. This is the first ever study linking physicians' race to infant mortality. And obviously the questions it poses are striking and horrifying. I mean, it has been well documented in America that racial and ethnic minorities experience a lower quality of health services in general. And the big problem arising is that less than 5% of pediatricians in America are black. And I wonder, John, what the statistic is in South Africa. I suspect there is also a, a very big racial imbalance in terms of pediatricians' racial makeup. But whether we would find, I would like to say no, but whether we would find the same kind of horrifying imbalance in terms of outcomes for black babies in South Africa.
Um, it's courtesy of a listener, Rebecca. I can tell you why Bill Gates actually does want to depopulate. And it is, according to a listener, simple economics and intelligence, because he stated that the biggest threat to the planet is our overpopulation. So he wants to depopulate so that the planet doesn't collapse under the burden of too many people, and then he has nobody to sell Microsoft products to. You didn't think of that, did you, Rebecca? I didn't. John, I am so foolish. Thank you for schooling me, Lister. Yeah, there we go. Uh, And then on to, uh, I I don't know whether I want you to talk about both of these incredibly important royal topics. (laughs) The fact that Harry is rocking a ponytail at the moment. I have long hair, which is long enough now to take a ponytail. And I'm toying with the idea of in private with nobody watching and not taking a single photograph that could be stolen from me by Bill Gates's minions and put out to the world. I'm thinking of trying a ponytail, but I think I'm going to stay away from it. I think a man bun would be just the thing on you, John, giving a sort of then monkish aspect to your already quite monkish aspect. There we go. Anyway, as your unofficial royal correspondent, yes, these are two groundbreaking developments this week. The suggestion that Prince Harry is sporting a ponytail appears to come from one eyewitness. Was it the actor Rob Lowe? who claims he saw Prince Harry in Malibu traffic, but also admits maybe it wasn't Prince Harry. <laughs> so this is all it was just it. another ginger. <laughs> <laughs> this is about as inclusive as Bill Gates planning. Um, and then the other more concrete development, this is confirmed, is that the, the Duchess of York, Sarah Ferguson, Andrew's ex-wife, but also sort of his current partner, since she never really moved out. She has penned, or at least put in her name to, a Mills and Boone book. Now, Fergie is a big favourite of mine in the Royal Pantheon, John, and as an avid watcher of The Crown, the TV series, I was really horrified by how little airtime they gave Fergie in their depiction of the 1980s and early 1990s. In fact, almost none, and I don't know why, because she is such rich material. But Fergie is nothing if not entrepreneurial. In the past, she has written children's books about helicopters. She was spokesperson for Weight Watchers. She was caught secretly selling access to the royal family, or Fergie really knows how to make a buck or two. And she has now written this Milton Boone book called Her Heart for a Compass which is apparently based loosely on one of Fergie's uh, aristocratic ancestors, but also loosely on Fergie's own life, which poses a very large question. The number one rule of a Milton Boone book is that it has to have a happy ending. I believe, judging from what I've just read about Milton Boone, that these days the franchise has been drastically updated to the point where the heroines these days can be single mothers, they can be sex workers. But one thing hasn't changed. You need a happy ending. Now, if this Milton Boone book is based on Fergie's own life, then my question is, we must surely be deviating from memoir when it comes to the ending because to be married and still associated with Prince Andrew, a man who has revealed himself to be the most kind of oh, I don't even uh, know what creepy. to call it, morally yeah. deplorable, yes, ethically utterly breathed, egregiously oleaginous, an oleaginous creep of the highest order. That, my dear, is not the stuff of a Melvin Boone ending. So I assume that she will be rewriting her own history in that regard. <laughs> Thank you, my dear. <laughs> and there's Miles that. in the background giving That's his right. view on the final topic. Rebecca Davis back with another plan.